This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, Broden. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Ellen? I'm really well. It's, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, let's launch straight in. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, your teaching journey and your teaching context? All right. So uh, I'm an Aussie, obviously, but I'm now teaching in London. I've been teaching for, this is my third year. Cool. Uh, I'm an English teacher and yeah, I've been teaching a range of different schools since being over here. I've taught in an all-girls school, in an all-boys school, and I'm about to start in an SEN school. I don't know what that is. Um, have to explain that. A special needs school. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't know the, the acronym. Yeah, I think it's SEP in Australia. Yes, it would be, yeah. Yeah, but it's SEN over here. Yes. And then, but yeah, when I was in Australia, I worked in a lot of like uh, low socioeconomic areas. Areas like Woodridge and uh, Red Bank and Ipswich and yep. the classics. They're in, in and Brisbane, yeah, Queensland. So, yeah. But yeah, sort of that's my teaching journey so far, I think. Awesome. And so you um, did you do a teaching degree straight out of high school? No. Uh, I left high school in year 10 ah. and I did a, did a trade um, with the intent of becoming an engineer and then I decided that that was not for me anymore and I debated what I wanted to do and I always sort of liked school uh, despite leaving early Yeah. and I thought I'd go back to that and I put in for that and I put in for journalism and I got that. So awesome. that's and where I took it. Uh, did you have any particular, um, you know, idealistic yearnings about becoming a teacher and what kind of teacher you would be, you know, before you did that or while you were at uni? Did you have any um, um, ideas about that? I always sort of get lumped in as the cool teacher because I've got tattoos and don't really like wearing a tie or a suit or anything. And um, But, yeah, so I sort of thought like that type of teacher, you know, the teacher that everyone wants to be that like inspires kids to read and yeah. pick up all the cool books and stuff. But I don't know if that's happened yet. We'll see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and so in terms of how long have you been teaching in London and what drew you to um, that? A year. So my girlfriend isn't a teacher. She's a business manager and a digital marketing manager. And she got the role, uh, she got the opportunity to manage her company's London office. Ah. Um, so, yeah, that's why we're over here. Fair she enough. She gets paid way more than I do. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, the things we do for love. But pretty cool experience. Yeah. I um... Yeah, for sure. Um, um, it's been good. It's it's a lot harder over here. Yeah. Like a lot harder. They expect so much more of you in terms of work. Yeah. My sister did a less. year in yeah, my sister did a year in teaching in London. Um and yeah. yeah. She said the same thing. Very hard. Yeah. Like they've got this huge obsession with homework still. Like homework is like the be all and end all. And you've got to like mark workbooks and stuff, which is like unheard of at home. Yeah. Or if it happens it's, you know, your choice, not that you have to do yeah. it. Yeah. 
not have to mark every class's text uh, workbooks every fortnight. Yeah, wow. So a lot of paperwork. So much paperwork. So in your three years of teaching so far, um, yeah. other than the paperwork, what challenges have you faced? Um, I had a bit of trouble at the start with like behavior management and stuff, um, as most people do, I think. <laughs> I think so. Particularly working in like lower socioeconomic areas where you have a lot of kids with like learning difficulties or just like a general disrespect for authority. Yeah, so I just had a lot of trouble with that. And like my first proper teaching role, I sort of got, I was an add-in that came like halfway through the year. So I started in term three because I had like too many kids and I got the lowest year eight class, but the top year seven class. So the lowest year eight class had a lot of behavioral issues and I did not get the support that um, I should have been getting as a first year teacher, let alone one with a difficult class. Because there was no more space in the um, year seven, year eight block. So I got sort of lumped over near the special needs section. Mm, so the kids hated that already. Yeah, by myself. I had like a TA maybe once or twice a week for that class. Yeah, it was just hard. But mm. in some regards, like it was good because they sort of threw you in the deep end. And you sort of had to sink or swim. That is hard. That and, was, and how did that, um, yeah. especially feeling a little bit isolated perhaps over in that other part of the school, how did that impact your well-being, feeling like you didn't have the support that um, you needed? I had a couple of teachers that I could talk to and vent about that too. And like some of the TAs that I had were really good and they'd sort of like always be like, look, you've got a real difficult class. You're doing really well considering like where you're at because mm. they were TAs that had been around for yonks and they were sort of really good at helping me when I needed it. And there was like a lot of, there was good like behavior system in that school with like the behavior teachers that would just come around and like take kids out and put them in the respect room where like you'd sit and think about what you did. And if, or if they were getting too out of hand, you could just send them there, which was a big help. Yeah. It was still a bit like daunting. Totally. But you sort of get used to it. Yeah. And I was going to ask, that's my next question. How did you, how did you over, overcome that? Just push on um, through. Yeah, just push on through and just stick to your guns and just be hard and set your expectations and call home. Yeah, just sort of don't back usual. down. Yeah. You just got to stick to it. Um, yeah. What about when you moved to London? Were there any, like, did you get homesick? Have you had any specific challenges there in terms of your, even just your health and well-being? Yeah, so I've got Crohn's disease as well. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so... That sort of puts me on the back foot already yeah, in terms sure. of like health and well-being. Um, but yeah, like coming over here, I had like a flare-up just because of I was eating takeaway a lot when you're sort of getting settled and all that kind of stuff. And I found like getting into the NHS over here can be quite difficult. It's easy once you're in, but like your appointments are ridiculous. Like it took me eight months, nine months to wow. get an appointment to see a specialist. I should have seen two in that time. Yeah. And, yeah, just that kind of stuff. So, like, you've got that on one hand and then you've got, like, getting your job and then you've just got everything sort of coalescing and it just sort of was a bit full on. But, like, once you get into it and you start settling into it, it's not too bad. But it's just generally getting started. Uh, But, yeah, I did get a bit homesick. I still do sometimes. Yeah. When you see everyone and it's, like, 40 degrees and (laughs) looks really nice and it's snowing here. Yeah. And... It's just cold and miserable. 
and like people just don't generally care about you over here like you're walking down the street and you don't really get eye contact from people no one like waves at you or anything everyone's just like get out of my way i've got somewhere to be and it rubs off so again like, that's sort of isolation just, almost sorry yeah, so my friends sort of just moved over and we went to the movies and this person was standing up and they were just standing in the aisle talking to their friend that was putting on their coat and everyone was like waiting for them. I was like, dude, just push past. He's like, no, I'm still Australian. I haven't got used to that yet. I was like, give it a month and you'll just be pushing past everyone. I suppose that can be a, a bit of a city thing too, that like just a, a lack of openness to the stranger, whoever the stranger yeah, is. Yeah, for sure, for sure, which is kind of sad, but survival of the fittest over here yeah absolutely and um and so in terms of the i hope it's okay if i ask the crohn's disease how does that impact you when when school is really really busy and stressful is there a correlation do you do you notice flare-ups um with related to school um no not so much yet but i think like it is a factor but i've only been diagnosed for like two and a half years so i'm still getting used to it all and I sort of haven't worked everything out yet Um, but I think it's probably definitely a factor Um, one of the things I struggle with most is like keeping weight on I've often sort of most this year I've sat pretty low on where I should be in terms of weight Um, but yeah you sort of yeah just get used to it all and just sort of keep trudging on and so you you would have been diagnosed with that in your first year of teaching am I doing the maths right no, sorry, I got diagnosed in 2014, so I've been diagnosed for three years, oh, three okay. and a half years. Yeah, so it'll be just yeah. before you started teaching. Yeah. When I was doing my final year of uni, I got diagnosed. So, yeah, it sort of, well, it sort of leads really well into my next question, um, which is, like, what does self-care or well-being mean to you and how do you maintain that? Um, obviously, you, will have, you would have some more specific and pr- probably more urgent needs, you know, more... Um, yeah more consequences if you're not maintaining it yeah pulling your pants in front of the class would be pretty awkward yeah um, absolutely yeah so if i need to go to the toilet i just go i don't tell the kids i just go um and then it sounds kind of not a great mindset for a teacher because you're meant to be all caring and whatnot but self first like always self first like marking can wait Planning can't so much. Planning you need to sort of be a bit more on top of. But things like marking, um, just wait. It's not going to be the end of the world. If they don't get their test back for two weeks, they don't get their test back for two weeks. They're going to nag at you, but it doesn't change their mark at all. Particularly like, yeah, over here we have to mark workbooks all the time too. Yeah, Yeah, well, and self-first is kind of the point of this podcast. Um, Yeah. It's... because I think we have this idea that when we say that, that that's totally selfish and therefore because we're putting ourselves first, we don't care at all about the kids, but it's actually just that yeah. well, of course we still care about you know the students and the colleagues that we have and our family and everything, but nobody else has as vested an interest in your own health as you do. So Yeah, exactly. Put it number one. Yeah, for sure. And like prioritise things like sleep and your social life, like particularly over here. I'm not really over here to work. I'm here to see things. I don't get paid enough over here to care too much. Like, obviously, you care about your teaching and stuff and, like, your impact on the kids a lot. But the secondary things, like, I'm not going to volunteer to stay back to chaperone a disco or a play or whatever. Like, I'm on 150 pounds a day. That's, like, not a lot over Mm, here. mm. Yeah, because London's expensive. 
London's so expensive. My last job where I had an hour commute, I was spending 55 pounds a week just on transport. Yeah. Like it just adds up and like you just, yeah, like you just need to think about yourself and like your health and like it's that's more important than um, things like marking and yeah, because yeah. the marking's going to get done. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's got to get done. Yeah, so it's going to get done. So it's not about not doing it at all. It's just about making sure that in amidst all of that, you know, you're including your social life and you're including um, whatever other self care activities you, you need to to avoid. Yeah, um, you know, an accident in the classroom. <laughs> so like the last school that I was just at that I finished at last week. They worked eight till five. Like that was the school day. And then teachers would stay at school till like eight o'clock. I was like, no way, get out of there at five. Do your planning on the tube if you can. Do your marking on the tube. That was one of the best things about the hour commute. I'd just get all my essays emailed to me and I'd just mark them on my iPad and yeah, email cool. them back. Because you had an hour, like what else are you going to do? It's downtime, so you might as well get things done so when you get home you can do whatever you want or need to do. That's, that's a good tip, actually, is kind of thinking about how you can repurpose, yeah. repurposing some of that time so that you can work smarter, not harder, really. For sure. Like, it's a bit harder in Australia because everyone drives everywhere. Yeah, that's but right. over here, it makes so much sense. You always see people, you can tell the teachers because they've always got a big, like, bag for life, like, you know, those big um, bags that you buy at the supermarket that you can keep. They've always got one of those full of workbooks. And I don't know how the hell they lug them around the train, but you see them and you just see them sitting on the train marking, but then I'm sitting there with my iPad doing the same, smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what else does um, well-being mean to you? Like is, is that kind of work-life balance something that you actively prioritise even in the busiest times of school? Like do you plan for the, you know, the report card season so the last school that I was at, we didn't do um, – it wasn't like Australia, so not everyone got a report card at the same time. They'd alternate the years. So one year, each half term, because they have three terms and they split them in half. So each half term, one year group would have a parent-teacher night. One year group would get – or some year groups would then get a grade card, which would just have their grades with no comments. Oh, yeah. And then some year groups would get, like, a full report. Yep. So, no, so there'd be two that would have the parent-teacher night. I only taught um, Key Stage 3 and Key Stage 4, which is 7, 8, 9, and 10 and 11. I never taught A-level, which is 12 and 13. Um, yeah. So they just sort of alternate them like that. So you went there trying to write 100 report cards for all your classes. Or more sometimes. Yeah, that's thoughtful. Yeah. So what would be your top tips for early career teachers? Um, especially being, you know, you've had a couple of different experiences in, in a number of different contexts, you know, overseas as well as, you know, in Australia. Yeah. Um, what would be your tips for, for people going into their first year? Um, I just ask people for help. Like you might think you can do everything, but you can't your first year you need to just ask people for help it's something that we all do we're like no no i can do it i can do it but while you can there's always a better way to do something there's no need to reinvent the wheel yeah exactly so like also steal and adapt things 
everything's on the hard drive. Just get it and fix it and change it to whatever you want. But there's heaps of good websites too. Um, I think a lot of it's more designed over here where they have like their big exams in year 11 and big exams in year 13. So they do like full booklets for every text that's taught. So you can steal those and like adapt them to whatever you need. Um, a lot of schools will buy like all their English teachers or all their teachers like a subscription to some of these sites. So then you can get the paid things as well. Mm, so you're not, re- you're not spending all your very precious free time like recreating things that have already been created yeah so the school that i was at for like 10 months which is my last my first school that i was at over here um they had like a lot of they had all the schemes of work done for everything and then you just go in put it into i just put it into my powerpoint and then put my own spin on it and like change things that i know would work better for my class or change things that i know work better for my teaching style things like that yeah like the the core of the lesson was all the same for everyone that was doing that text. And that also helped because I wasn't familiar with a lot of the texts I had over here. Yeah, so and, and yeah. I suppose not – certainly it's been my experience um, turning up in a small rural school and not having all of those resources ready to go and, you know, sometimes you do yeah. have to create things from scratch. But um, I so agree with you that the, the internet is a wonderful place and there's some amazing websites that have heaps of resources on them. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it can be really valuable to invest, even if you're investing some of your own money in some of that because, you know, time is valuable too. And Yeah, for sure. Just because you can make it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been bitten by that a couple of times. Like I tried to do up this big word bank. I did it. It just took me a lot longer than it. I wanted it to. Of like alternative ways to say different things or different um, – different connectives that you could use for different circumstances and things like that and I printed it off and gave it to all my classes because you just get so sick of reading the same thing over and over and over and over again it was helpful and I've got it now but yeah it just took me a lot longer than I would have liked it to have Mm. Mm. um so what what other tips I think you mentioned social life a couple of times um yeah being really important to maintain your social life um, what what other tips do you have to help early career? Well, um, at all, teachers at all stages of their career, you know, set set themselves up for good health and well being. Yeah, like I like to watch other people teach as well, so you can sort of see different ways to do things. So the last role that I had was this. It was this weird role. It was called a classroom manager, and it was this school, and they were meant to move into a new site at the start of this school year but the site was delayed and so they ha- then they outgrew their current site so they had year seven on a separate campus oh wow so the classroom managers were down there and you'd start or you'd end lessons and you'd have to then shuttle the kids up to the main campus for lunch and things like PE so you'd get to see heaps of people teach different things yeah and like most of the time teachers wouldn't really want you in there which is understandable but you yeah, it can see, be a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't really like people sitting there and watching me teach either, so you understand it. <laughs> yeah. But if they would let you stay in, it was always good to sort of see at least one or two of their lessons in like the six weeks that I was there. And you just see different ways of doing things, like particularly things like behaviour management or ways to tackle different topics and things like that. Yeah, that's but, good yeah. advice. Watching others work is um, a really powerful form of professional development. 
Yeah, and like when you start at a new school in a new country as well, they try to put you into as many as you can. Like when I first came over, I was doing a maternity cover and there was like an overlap where she was still there and I was there. So I got to watch her teach for a while and they put me in different classes to see how some of the other people around taught. So it was all really helpful and like, yeah, it was a good way to sort of get to know the expectations of the school and the new system and things like that. Absolutely. And so did that then help you feel more confident when, when you're on your own, even though, you, I mean, yeah. it's not like you were a first year, but you were a first year in this new whole school system. Um, yeah. Um, it did, but I still wasn't like overly confident for a little while because the expectations over here, uh, there's something else that's just insane. So like, Year 11, when they do their GCSE, which is sort of like what used to be the school certificate in New South Wales, I don't think Queensland ever had an equivalent. Not um, yet. But <laughs> We're moving in that direction, yeah, sort of. It's like, so the English one, you have four different tests that you have to do, and all of them require at least two essays. And you, like, the poetry one, you've got four essays to write mm. in two hours. Wow. Comparing unseen poems, um, analysing unseen poems, comparing two poems from like a bank of 12 that you need to memorise and then like writing an essay about a modern text. Like there's just so much. I reckon I would struggle to do all of that to like the top level in two hours. Yeah. Like it's insane and they're just expected to do it and if they don't do it and don't get a good mark, they don't get accepted into a good school to do the A-levels or they don't get to go to the university they want to go to. Yes, there's a lot of like pressure. And then that pressure, much pressure gets passed on to the teachers as well. Yeah. So that was a private school. And in a private school, if you don't – they give them predicted grades. And if you don't meet those predicted grades, the teachers – like the parents can sue you. Wow. Like or something along those lines. Like there's – a point where if you don't guarantee get the results that you've outlaid for the kids, you can get sued. That is really scary. Yeah, it's crazy. And like if kids like pull out, they'll let go they'll let teachers go to cover the loss. Yeah, it's insane. Like you I took me That's ages to get my head pressure. around it. Yeah. I, I can see why they let teachers go, because it's uh a fee was something like eighteen thousand pounds a year. So if you've got like a family of three that pull out for whatever reason, that's at least two teachers' salaries. Yeah, and so you're, you know, you're not just operating. And I don't, I suppose I don't know enough about the system, um, the private school system in Australia. But it's it's not just operating on the academic expectations of the school but also the financial expectations of the school. Yeah, I think I think Australia's got a lot more protections in place. Um, like even things like meetings and stuff, the unions in Australia have sort of got all that finessed into the, a nice situation where it's not over here. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously very, um, very competitive as well. So if yeah. you want to keep your job, you know, you do what you need to do. Really competitive. And like there's different pay scales depending where you are. So, like, if you're in 
central London, you get paid one thing, out of London is another, and then the rest of the country is another. Oh, wow. I think, like, the rest of the country is something like £22,000 a year for, like, a first-year teacher, which is nothing. Like, converting that back, that's, yeah. like, $40,000. Yeah. And, like, there's so much longer hours. And a lot of pressure. Yeah, and so much more work. That is very I interesting. Really, I really don't know why people go into it in this country, to be honest. Like, there's not a lot of incentives no, and and a lot of disincentives. Um, yeah, besides getting summer off and you can duck over to Greece or whatever. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, that's very true. But, yeah. You've got to have enough yeah. money um, to get to Greece. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, it's really interesting too because you've had the perspective of both, like you've been in Queensland at least and, yeah. and now overseas. So it's an interesting – I'd be very interested to um, – one day, if you come back to Australia and um, teach in Australia again, interested to see how you, you know, whether that experience, because I know for my sister, it certainly seems to have helped her just take a lot of things in her stride in, you know, yeah, back home because, yeah, compared to London. <laughs> yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I don't get a lot of what they do, like you need to set homework, like three things of homework a fortnight. Yeah, just for the sake of it. Yeah, just for the sake of it most of the time. Yeah. So I think like one other teacher there gave me like some good suggestions of how to get around it. So you'd set things like TV watching. So like you'd set them to watch like a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's teaching them things. Sometimes it might correlate with what you're learning. And it doesn't take up all of their time and I don't have to mark it. Oh, well, that's, that's good yeah. advice as well. Yeah. It's again, it's about, it's that working smarter, not harder. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you're not doing the job. You're just doing the job in a way that is efficient. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good advice. Well, have you got any last pieces of advice? Any other, anything else you wanted to add? It's not really advice. It's more of like, if you're an English teacher, your love of reading will dissipate a little bit. I don't read anywhere near as much as what I used to, particularly during term time, just because you're reading stuff all the time. Totally. I mean, I you know, I was a music teacher and um, I don't play the piano anymore, but I'm, I'm hoping that this year off will help me get back into that because, yeah, it's like when you work at KFC, you don't want to go home and eat chicken. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's free. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally hear that. So it's important to, I think, manage your expectations around that probably too. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Broden. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story, especially your interesting, like really interesting sort of comparisons between the different education systems in, in England and Australia. Very, very enlightening. So thank you very much. That's all right. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. 
You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash self-care for teachers. And on Instagram, my handle is at self-care for teachers. So come along and follow me there. 